I'm Arjun Chadder. I'm Ash Warlock. I'm Lawrence Lee. And welcome to yet another episode of You Can't Podcast with Kids. It's the 27th of December. Um, we just had Christmas Day. Um, guys, Ash, Lawrence, how were your Christmas? Ash, any any interesting presents yeah. that you got on Christmas Day? Yeah, yeah I got some, some clothes, some a uh, couple of novels that I wanted to read, uh, some cool headphones, um, which I because I'd lost my uh, old ones, so that was quite nice to get. And yeah, pretty pretty good pretty good haul there. But I'm I really enjoyed watching the Boxing Day fixtures. I, I think I watched four games yesterday, so that was yeah. good, like the back, back kind of American football style. Um, and yeah, that's that's that was good. Um, yeah, you know, I want I want to hear what Lawrence is going to say about the United game after I've heard what you're going to say about the uh, Chelsea game. But yeah, I mean, Lawrence, how was yours? How was your Christmas? Yeah, my Christmas was good. I mean, there's been a lot of like delays on Amazon and stuff, so my present was just a letter, and then a picture of a chair, which is going to come soon. But that was quite. Yeah, yeah I was. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. This doesn't have much structural integrity, but uh, oh, you know, I'm gonna have to deal with it. So you're gonna have yeah. to deal with my squeaky chair for another pod, but hopefully, That's should right. be fixed soon. Yeah, as for me, I got I got a few books. I got the Arsenal Manga uh, biography, autobiography rather, which I like. I appreciated the gesture, but I'd already bought that for myself on Kindle like last month, so it was a bit of a wasted gift. But you know, I'll probably just ask if someone uh, someone listening someone listening wants to buy it. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, if anyone wants to get it, email us at the what is it? The Symposium 100 at gmail.com. Um, the Symposium Podcast 100 it's, it's at gmail.com. It's a giveaway. It's a giveaway. Yeah, free giveaway. Yeah, it's a maybe, giveaway. Maybe a quiz maybe let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll tweet yeah. it out. Um, we'll tweet out a giveaway, and that's a good idea. Then there Can you I go. Uh, I'll, deliver it, I'll, I'll deliver it to your place for free. I don't mind about that. And um, yeah, just yeah. have it pay like a five or whatever. I'll have like yeah, I have like what, like 50p entry for the giveaway. And... <laughs> yeah, we can generate some profit for once. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, I'm glad to, glad to know that all your Christmases were good, um, despite the circumstances. Let's just move on then onto the football. Um, Boxing Day, obviously like a packed um, day of English football. Got Premier League, Championship League, one League Two action. And yeah, in terms of the Premier League, we'll start just chronologically. Leicester played Man United. Um, quite an entertaining 2-2 draw. Um, Lawrence, what were your thoughts on this game? Um, you know, it's a, it's a point away at second place Leicester. Well, now, now they're third, but they were second place. So, I mean, can't be too disappointed with the result. Um, obviously, United's defence were at fault for Leicester's two goals. Um, Bruno Fernandes gave away the ball really cheaply for the first, and the second was just poor marking and Jamie Vardy getting a, a trademark goal against a top-six side. But, you know, United looked dangerous going forward, and, and when Cavani came on after about an hour, United looked very dangerous, and... Um, I mean, Bruno seems to be at the heart, though, everything we do um, going forward, you know, getting an assist, getting a goal. Um, you know, it's just it's just one of those things where it's, it's, it kind of shows that both sides won't, I don't think, will be seriously challenging Liverpool this season because they both have frailties at the back despite looking so impressive going forward. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's a good point for both teams. Um, what will discourage Oli is, is the fact that we don't have a suitable backup right back because Lindelof had to play there and didn't play well yeah. at all before he, before getting injured. Um, while Wan-Bissaka's out, it doesn't seem like we have another option there. Yeah, I mean, I I actually took more from from Leicester than I did from United. I mean, from the perspective that I thought this game was really really good for a start. It was a quality Boxing Day fixture. Um, you know, you had like leads lead changes and and late goals. It was, it was everything you could kind of want. Um, I, I was more impressed with Leicester actually, uh, because 
um, I, I, I thought that um, Tielemans played really, really well. I thought Fofana played quite well. And, and I thought that United were, were often toothless. Rashford had a couple of chances. He probably should have had a hat trick or 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 at least a, or at least a brace. But but um, other than that, you know, I, I thought Leicester were, were were not too shaky, especially given the quality of of what United have. Um, I, I thought Dan James was a bit of a pointless addition to the squad in this game. I thought that that he could have been replaced for someone with perhaps more solidity or at least maybe more dynamism, just because. Um, not only was he not offering that much in an attacking sense, he was consistently skimmed on the right. And that was just led to a lot of joy for Leicester going down the left, because when you compound that with the fact that Lindelof was standing in into an into a relatively un- unfamiliar position for him, you know, that, that was an avenue that Leicester had quite a bit of joy. But But I thought a point was a pretty fair result for both teams. I think United... If they do want to challenge for the title, need to see out these games. They they can't they can't give away two points like this. I think if if although the point is a fair fair result, I think Leicester will see this as a point gained and United maybe two points lost at least maybe slightly, just because I think United could have sort of seen out this game and they when they scored a, a second time, um, you know I, I think that was um, with, with Fernandez. I think you know that was a very nice goal, very nice finish. Um, both both United's goals were nice finishes, actually, with Rashford's a, a nice one as well. Um, I thought at that point, I was like, yeah, this is a good sign for United maybe going forward uh, in terms of going for the title, you know, getting an ability to score late goals. We see Liverpool do it all the time. But then the fact that they couldn't couldn't hold on, I thought, was it was a bad sign for them. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, you know, it, it, United have a lot of attacking flair and a lot of attacking ability because they have a lot of individually gifted players. But I was disappointed to see Again, well, disappointed from a United perspective to see, you know, the familiar lack of defensive cohesion and defensive solidity. Like Eric Bailly, although I can see he's probably very naturally gifted um, in terms of his athletic ability, I've never seen him as a as a particularly competent centre-back. And he's been in the league for quite some time now. Um, yeah. And I, I wasn't really affirmed. I wasn't really affirmed of that of that notion that he would be a competent centre-back any, any more than after his performance against Leicester. Um, defences win titles, right? Um, and I think United are on track to concede 62 goals this season in the league at that current rate. And they have the sixth worst defence in the league right now. So it shows that you know, there is still sort of, sort of there's improvement to be made there, at least. I mean, Lawrence, what do you think of your back five at present? Where do you think the errors lie? Um, it's difficult to tell, I'll be honest, because I think on an individual level, um, we don't. Our defense doesn't look amazing because obviously Harry Maguire has been. I mean, he's had a. I'd say an okay start to his United career. He's been solid. He's very good on the ball. You know, he does get caught out one on one. Um, but you know, as as a team, gen, gen generally, we can look very solid at the back, like against PSG. Um, you know, we looked very good in in deflecting Mbappe and, and Neymar, and with the exception of the Spurs game. I think generally against the big teams, we have been able to set up quite well. We kept a clean sheet against City, for example. Um, it's just that we're very prone to individual mistakes. And and more than that, United have shown that, shown first of all, we don't start games well. We often concede early, I think through just, you know, just complacency or, or lack of concentration. But when we don't concede early and we go ahead... We then find ourselves not able to close out games very easily. I mean, it's okay if you can score six goals against Leeds, but we still look like we're going to concede goal after goal after goal. 
um, yeah. in the last 10 minutes of that game. So uh, I don't really know exactly. I, I, I do feel like we need a solid centre-back to partner Maguire um, because I think Bailly and Lindelof haven't, haven't really convinced me in, in the five years. I mean, Bailly's been injured for a long time. Twanzeb is still young. Lindelof, Lindelof is an interesting case because if you look at the records of United with and without Lindelof, United without Lindelof are just all at sea and like um, concede so many more goals. Uh, but I, I, I'm never convinced that him, like an, on an individual level. I, I think I think on the, he's good to have in the squad because especially if you say that he can play in an emergency at right back, he's good to have as maybe a third, fourth choice centre back. I wouldn't say that he's starting caliber for a title title challenging team, but he's good. He's good as a first change. As a rotation option, I certainly think he'd be a very, very respectable third choice Premier League centre back, um, as in a first change. Um, and, and I think um, he'd be a good, good squad player in that regard. But I mean, I, I was just kind of, you know, Scott McTominay didn't really make many dynamic runs as he did against Leeds. I, I wasn't expecting him to do much, given that that was probably probably a career defining game for him, and it would take him a long time to repeat that kind of performance. But but he didn't really run at to Leeds and I was quite and 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 the fact that United were still defensively shaky even though they had McTominay pretty much staying there protecting him because he wasn't getting any space from Indeedy or Tielemans, I think is a bad sign for United. Because in those games where 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 McTominay then chooses to make a surging run, as I think he's able to do, as I think he's actually a, a good player, you know, he's a good box to box old school style midfielder, then you know that that would leave United further further exposed in transition phases in a way that um, that they could be vulnerable against perhaps lower lower um, in the table teams who would play more on the break as well. Um, so you, you picked out two players, which I think you're really right to do so, Ash, in, in, in Dan James and McTominay. To, to deal with the McTominay point first, I think the Leeds game was a very... Uh, Ollie's decision to, to make McTominay more of a box-to-box midfielder was primarily because of his his tactics for the game, i.e. he used Bruno to deflect Calvin Phillips away from the defensive midfield position, allowing McTominay the space to surge through the centre. That didn't really happen so much in this game against Leicester because Ndidi was very strong at the back and and Leicester were much more structured in defence, I thought. Um, So I think McTominay, you know, I mean, he has the ability to be a box-to-box midfielder, but I think that those kind of runs, those kind of, you could say, Yaya Toure runs, aren't going to be like the biggest uh, feature of his game. Just finally to deal with Dan James, I, th- I think it's really clear that he doesn't have the quality to play for United. But I think what Ole is doing is he's giving James chances in, in these kind of games to prove himself. Um, in this game, he lost the ball like every time he got it. He, he couldn't link up the play in the way that a Cavani or even a Greenwood can do on a regular basis for United. And I think James... Um, because Ole is just showing, you know, the world, the board, and the team. You know, James isn't good enough for this team. He's gonna, I, I think he's gonna go on loan or um, leave permanently by the end of the season. I mean, I mean, I, Dan James, I, I agree with you in terms of the quality. We'll just say briefly because we do need to move on. But um, I, I agree with you that on the fundamental quality point. Do I still think he could develop if he's coached well into a good squad player for United? Yes. But yeah, I agree with you, Lawrence. That he's probably not a long-term option. And in terms of McTominay, final point that. Um, it's interesting just to note very briefly that we ought to mention that the box box midfielder in the traditional Yaya Torre Lampard Gerard role has kind of died out anyway in the modern game per se. You you rely a lot now a lot more on defensive midfielders who either attack or or are more kind of cams. And 
perhaps if Scott McTominay could find a niche as a box-to-box midfielder as a manager that's willing to play that way um, against teams that aren't used to playing that way anymore, you know, I think United might actually have a bit of tactical joy there. Let's move on to, um, well, I guess United play Wolves next um, uh, tomorrow. But of course, you know, because of the nature of these fixtures, it's quite hard to preview games, seeing as Wolves haven't played their, their game today yet against Spurs. So let's just move on to yesterday's sort of afternoon games. Villa took on Palace, Fulham took on Southampton. Villa sort of convincingly brushing past the Palace team that have uh, conceded quite a few goals recently. Um, Ash Lawrence, what do you think of Villa's performance here? Yeah, I mean, I was really, I watched this game on BBC. I was really, really impressed um, because Villa scored two goals, I think, after going down to 10 men, after mm. uh, Tyrone Mings got two yellow cards, both of which were pretty stupid incidences with Wilfred Zaha, which didn't really need to happen. The first was just a bit of a handbags grab and go. Uh, both of them being booked and the second one was just a classic tactical pullback because Zaha was getting away from him. Um, and they were both pretty straightforward yellows, so he was off. But then that didn't really phase Villa at all. They withheld every Palace wave of attack. Um, Palace looked like they have in many games this season, you know, unable to buy a goal. Um, and essentially, um, Villa looked very convincing. Jack Grealish played beautifully down the left, running hard, putting balls into the box. He set up the um, he set a couple of the goals, especially the fourth one, I think, from memory. And I think Villa looked look like a very formidable team. I think if they'd been able to beat, I think it was Burnley they couldn't beat. Yeah, then they'd no, be, no, you know, I think, level with, I think, yeah, and if they won their game in hand, they'd be level with Liverpool on points. So I don't know how Dean mm. Smith has transformed this Villa team, but they have been transformed and they're looking like Aston Villa of, of 30 years ago. Um, and, and all credit to them because I think it's quality that Jack Greenish's decision to remain has been vindicated and his quality was on display for everyone to see uh, here. Yeah, I mean, the, the table was a little bit false earlier because they had so many games at yeah. hand. Now it looks to be correcting itself slightly in that they are sick now. They have they do have a game in hand um, or even two games in hand on the, on the teams above them. And it's very definitely very encouraging for them. They play Chelsea next. Um, we'll move on to Chelsea in a bit, but <laughs> definitely very encouraging for them. Fulham-Southampton, I think a very good point for Fulham. Um, they haven't conceded an, a goal from open play in over 450 minutes now in the Premier League, which is very encouraging for them. They certainly seem to have solidified their defence, which was looking very shaky at the start of the season. And, you know, fair play to Scott Parker and the boys. They've sort of turned themselves, they've turned their season around slightly. They're still in 18th place, but, you know, they do look more solid and it is definitely encouraging for them moving forward. Um, what do you, Lawrence, what do you think about this game and also just briefly about the Villa game as well? Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Ash. I thought Villa were extremely, um, extremely impressive in this performance. I think this was this was billed as a, as a Grealish versus Zaha kind of thing because I think Villa and Crystal Palace are seen as the the most one man teamy uh teams in the league because of the the quality of their two players but what I think Villa showed was that you know they have amazing and great attacking talents besides um just Grealish because both were very impressive in this game Grealish and Zaha they both got fouled so many times it's almost like a competition who can foul the other star man the most um but in this game Villa absolutely Watkins El Ghazi, Bertrand Traore before he came off, um, they all looked absolutely fantastic in attack. Watkins was was superb. I think I think Arjun will be very happy to see the form of Brentford man, um, and I think that uh, Villa, you know, they're really starting to purr and they could be challenging for Europe this season. That's not an exaggeration because they seem to have sorted out their defence. Emiliano Martinez in this game was absolutely fantastic. Eighth clean sheet uh, in the Premier League this season, um, which is superb i mean fpl fans take note um yeah it's a superb performance from them 
And what about Southampton and Fulham? I mean, Southampton dropping points, it looks like. But, you know, Fulham have definitely improved this season. Yeah, I think Fulham will, will feel yet again that they should have got more out of this game. Um, they had great chances. I think uh, Mitrovic will be the most upset of all. Um, you know, in the diamond, is missing um, with his shot. Uh, Ivan Cavallero also had a had a great chance. I, I think I think that Southampton. This is this is one of those games. You know, I mean, they they look they looked all right at the back this game, but going forward they were quite sluggish to be honest. And um, I think their best chance was a Ward Prowse free kick from memory that hit the bar. Um, pretty much a game to forget to be honest. But um, Fulham will be impressed by the fact that they they look good defensively, which was not their you know. Uh, strong point at the start of the season as I said before um, they've really been boosted with um, with their newfound defence with Ariola and Anderson and Tosh and Adarabaya they look very solid yeah um, let's move on to the 5.30 game Arsenal 3 Chelsea 1 I wasn't on the pod um, last time out to sort of give my thoughts on this game how, how I thought it would go but you know I, I'm sure you guys can remember I, I was sort of I've been sort of fatalistic about this game for quite a while I just thought sort of, you know classic Chelsea we had the chance to go second with the win um, Arsenal in such poor form that you know relegation level form and I just knew we sort of blew up blow it and not be able to capitalize on this we've done this before this season against Everton against Wolves where we could have gone top with wins um, and I just had this gut feeling about us not being able to win um, you know I did I did predict a sort of 2-1 Arsenal win but it's not just I'm, I'm not I'm not angry just because of the loss um, you know that 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 sort of thing does happen you know fair enough Arsenal being shit this season but you know they are still a good team um, who you know who've had a terrible run of form, but they can still beat us. That's that's not what I. That's not my gripe with this performance. It's more just the sort of tactical inflexibility of Frank Lampard and how you know even when we've been doing well this season, he has sort of frustrated me with certain tactics. So just the constant sort of refusal to play Timo Werner in his in his preferred position of playing centre forward. He's playing him on the wing, sticking him out on the wing, which is just doesn't work. He can't play that position. And not even playing him on the wing, playing him on the left wing. This means that, for example, Christian Pulisic, our best winger, can't play in his preferred position of left wing. So it sort of, you know, hinders him as well. You know, he notices, notably, you know, Pulisic improved at half time and he was shifted back onto the left wing and Hudson Roy came on and provided sort of some, some sort of bright spark and managed to get us, you know, briefly into the, back into the game. Um, so that's, that's really annoying. You know, Timo Werner, we all know he's a great striker. He did it so well for Leipzig last season and indeed the last couple of seasons he's done well for Germany, playing sort of in a more sort of natural, like central position up front. So I don't see why Lampard does this. Um, secondly, like his substitutions have baffled me um, throughout the season. He constantly sort of makes the same substitutions. A couple of seasons ago under Sarri, I used to get annoyed because around 60 minutes, it always used to be the same Kovacic or Junior off substitution or, or vice versa. And now he does. He just doesn't make the substitutions, correct substitutions when it's needed. He didn't bring Giroud on. Our whole game yesterday, our whole plan was just seemed to be Reese James and Chilwell crossing into the box. Uh, you know, a tactic that would be tailor made for someone like Giroud, who is excellent in the hair, in the air rather, and has good physical. Power. I mean, he Chilwell. does have fantastic hair. <laughs> True, um, but you know, it just it was just crying out for a striker like Giroud to dominate the Arsenal defence, which you know was looking shaky. You know, Pablo Mari and Rob Holding, you know, are, are decent, I guess, but they're not they're not as good in the air as say David Luiz's, and then they're not dominant as David Luiz's. So, you know, Jury was crying out for to be brought on, didn't happen. That that baffled me. He took Kovacic off, Kovacic off at half time, who was playing well in the first half. I think he should have taken off Kante instead. It's just little things like this that he's done throughout the season. Even when we've been winning, we've sort of made really weird tactical decisions. 
And, you know, we have been winning. Yeah, we went, we went on to a 17-game unbeaten run, which seems like an age away now. But even then, throughout that, there were some really shaky performances. We haven't played that convincingly this season. You know, our, our best result this season, a 4-0 away win against Sevilla, was against a weakened Sevilla team. Um, and it did seem sort of like a fluke performance. Our defence looks solid, I think. You know, it's definitely been improved. And in fairness, the three goals that Arsenal scored were sort of, in ways, a little bit fluky. I mean... The Saka goal was like, okay, he caught Mendy off his line, but it was a bit of a wonder goal. The Xhaka free kick, I mean, nothing you can do about that. It was a great free kick. And the first goal, their penalty, I mean, arguably shouldn't have been given. Um, I think you guys could agree with me on that. But it was just a very lacklustre performance. And I think speaks more sort of, it's more depressing given that it's sort of been coming, this sort of performance. And I remember what, in one of our first pods we did back in like August, um, we were doing like our favourite game segment. And I, my favourite game was Arsenal 3, Chelsea 0 from, from November, October 2016. And that was sort of the catalyst for Conte to sort of change the whole season around, revert, back, revert to a back three. And, you know, we went on this amazing winning run, ended up sweeping the league. And I really do hope that this result can sort of kick, you know, make Lampard change his way slightly, realise that Werner on the wing isn't working, um, realise that, you know, some he needs to sort of change it up a little bit. Because last season he was so flexible in terms of tactics um and he you know he made he didn't stick to his system he constantly changed it around when it when it needs to be changed and this season he just doesn't do that and it's really really frustrating um as as our season as a whole i mean you know we're not doing too badly we are we only a point two points off rather top four and you know we're, we're a bit bit of a way of liverpool but i mean seriously our aim was to get top four this season i don't think anyone expects us to win the league so you know in terms of that it's just it's just a very poor run of form and there is concern that if Lampard doesn't change this anytime soon, we could get sort of sucked more into the sort of the lower end of the top half rather than the top four, which is where we, you know, we were set to be in the last couple of weeks. So, you know, hopefully it changes. Um, that's my sort of mini rant about it. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, obviously, yeah, praise has to go towards Arsenal. They've turned, they've turned, I mean, I didn't say they've turned the season around with this win, but, you know, it was a win that they had to get. Um, they're now six points off the relegation zone. They did play very well. Um, I do think their goals were slightly fluky, but I mean, they were certainly better than Chelsea and, and deserved the win. Lawrence, um, what do you think about Arsenal's performance, first of all, and then just about Chelsea as a whole, um, their sort of tactical annoyances that I pointed out? Well, Arsenal, they made six changes from their um, defeat against Everton because I think Arteta knew at this point that he needed to make ringing changes throughout the squad in order to, you know, try and bang out a performance from his players. And he did get a performance. Um, I I think I agree with you, Arjun, in saying the goals were kind of lucky. It was like, it's like when, you know, a striker goes on a long goal drought and then he goes, I I just want to deflect a goal. I just want a penalty. I just want to tap in. And then Arsenal managed to get three of those in one game, which is quite good of them. But I think their performances their performance kind of warranted the win. I think Martinelli gave Reese James an absolutely torrid time um, because, I, and they've missed up Martinelli so badly throughout. I mean, he, he really provided the spark even against City in, in the Carabao Cup. He was very impressive before he got injured. Kieran Tierney, he's been Arsenal's best player this season. He won the penalty. I mean, it's a debatable penalty, but, you know, he won it. Um, obviously, Saka scored the goal. Emil Smith-Rowe looked very good. And I, I think I think I do think that Sam Allardyce saying that Arsenal were relegation rivals might have given the players a bit of a kick up the arse because like that's a bit of a jarring thing to be said from Big Sam. Um, but you know it's a very competent performance from Arteta. But still, you need to see more from them. 
uh, yeah, in order to, to be convinced that they're not in a relegation battle. Because being uh, an off-colour Chelsea is like not the most amazing thing in the world. Um, with regards to Chelsea, I think you said it all really, Arjun. I, I think... Um, your aunt was full of tactical insight and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the kind of rage that we want at the symposium. It's too, it's too analytical. Um, but I do agree. I think, I think with Chelsea, they, they shouldn't get carried away with this loss. I think I think with the, with these runs, with the exception of Sheffield, you know, um, there, there is a point at which the team pull out a result. And I think this was Arsenal's time to pull out a result out of the bag. And it just happened to be Chelsea that they came against. And I think, um, you know, Chelsea should be should be fine for top four. I, I firmly believe that. Um, they do need to sort out a bit of their uh, woes going forward because they, they can't really find a formula to fit all their, their star players. Um, it's weirdly in opposite to last season. It's their defence. Uh, their defence is sorted, but they're going forward. They don't know what they're doing, really. And I think Lampard really does have a lot to answer for that. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be discouraged at all. I mean, they're still seven. Um, yeah, I mean... It's just more that this result has been coming and this sort of, our tactical failures has been, you know, a run like this has been coming and I don't see it being changed anytime soon if Lampard sticks to the same sort of tactical, uh, you know, decisions that he's been making. Um, but yeah, I mean, good result for Arsenal. Um, Ash, what do you make of this result? And yeah, just if you'd like to talk briefly on what you think, how you think Chelsea will progress in the next couple of games. They play Villa um, tomorrow, you know, quite soon. Then they have games against Man City, Fulham, Leicester, FA Cup game which they should win easily but you know they have a fairly tricky one coming up I mean I I wanted Chelsea to win this game or at least avoid defeat because I thought you know banter Arsenal be able to watch Arsenal fan TV you know it's all just a good laugh but Chelsea couldn't do what every fan in the country wanted them to do and beat Arsenal a fairly silly relegation for the team for the last three or four weeks and just caved in dramatically I think Arsenal showed they should rely now more on their youth rather than their senior players who not only are on high contracts and taking away money, but who obviously don't care about the club and aren't trying. Their youth obviously trying hard, know what the club means, care about it. Saka is brilliant, by the way. Um, yeah. He's a really one to watch for the future. Um, but I was going to... And Martinelli as well, both of them are very good. Although neither of them are as good as Twitter says they are, I'd like to say that. Um, carrying on, I, I'm just moving on to Chelsea. Um, I... I, I, I <laughs> I'm just really puzzled. You've spoken very eloquently about Frank Lampard's tactical inflexibility. I think that's an important point in its own right. But what's really bizarre is just playing people out of position as much as anything else, like Werner on the left wing, just quite frustrating when you know that where he should be is, um, well, he should should be played basically in a centre-forward position or at least a, a central attacking midfielder position as a false nine because that's where he's best used. And just, he seems like, frankly, just seems to be misusing him. And I know that Chelsea have had some issues with injuries. They've never had Havertz, Vietz, Pulisic, Havertz, Ziyech, Pulisic and, and Werner fit at the same time. But but you have Mason Mount there, you have Callum Hudson-Odoi, you have other options and people just seem to be played in, in the wrong position. Yeah, I um, think that's quite an easy excuse. I, I'm guilty of saying that myself. Is that oh, we've never had these four players at the same time? Yeah, we haven't. But we've had, we've got we've got such an like yeah, you've got a you've lot got so of many options attack there. options that that shouldn't be an excuse, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and I, I don't know why Hudson Odoi is still at the club, to be honest. But that's a completely another matter. And um, I think that I think just that um, you know, in terms of Chelsea going forward, I think they will be fine for top four. Genuinely, they they will be. 
they, they they won't have any issues in that regard. I think they'll they've got a top four space. I think Man United have a top four space. I think it's down to City, Spurs for for getting the other spot. Now I could be proved wrong. Chelsea could go on a losing run, but I honestly don't think so. I think they've got enough quality. Their defense is looking good. Mendy looks like a very good signing. And I don't think Chelsea have much to worry about. And I'm sure that they, they'll get to later stages of the FA Cup as well as they generally do. Yeah. Um, um, and, and I think, and I, and I no, I just honestly think that um, it was just a, a bad one-off game. Um, and, and do I think, and, and I hope it gives, as you say, from your perspective, Frank, the impetus to, to change things around. Um, because it, it was just a bit frustrating to see players, even from a neutral perspective, who are, who are quite talented, just being misused. Um, yeah. Unless you know, well, we don't know. Like maybe Werner's expressed desire to play a Ronaldo or Henri role off the wing, you know, cutting in, scoring goals from either side, like Iron Robin or, or Sadio Mane, whatever. But but he, but if he has, you know, he's not executing it very well, or, or maybe just Frank's just chosen to put him there. We don't know. But but either way, I'd just like to see Werner play um, yeah. where he's I mean, supposed I, to be. On Werner, I was prepared to cut him some slack for you know not scoring for a couple of games in a row. You know, that's fair enough. Every every striker goes through those runs. Um, and he was certainly fairly good at the start of the season. However, it's when he's been played out of position and visibly unhappy and visibly, like, not confident that it gets it gets annoying. I'm prepared to cut Havertz some slack because, you know, he was decent at the start of the season. He he got coronavirus. He's still recovering. Like, not, he, he has recovered from it, but the effects from it apparently hit him quite hard. And, you know, that's fair enough. Our other signings have been quite good. Chilwell and James. Chilwell was... You know, has been excellent this season. He was poor yesterday, as was James. They were injured. Um, they were, I think they were rushed back, to be honest, yesterday by Lampard. They should have perhaps sat this one out. We have a, you know, a more than capable deputy in Asper Quetta and a decent backup in Emerson that could have played instead. Um, but, you know, yeah, as you said, it should it should be fine. But I just want to see us make, be more, honestly, Frank, be more sensible in terms of selection and in terms of the formation that we play. When we played, I think the first half against Southampton quite quite a while ago now, at this like middle of October, start of October, we played a four-two-three-one, um, and Havertz sort of played as a false nine, which allowed Werner to sort of drift inside and cut inside, and that was some of the best football we played all season, um, and probably under Lampard's reign, to be honest. And that is the that is the formation we should be playing, um, not this sort of four-three-three, which doesn't hasn't really worked that well. Um, but you know, let's let's see how we do. We have a tricky game against Villa tomorrow. And obviously, you know, we've spoken about how well we'll have done. Um, you know, if we drop points there, you know, then yeah, I, I can start to worry a little bit more. Um, but yeah, let's move on. Um, City in the evening game, City played Newcastle, sort of an easy 2 0 win. And Everton, um, well, I mean, this was quite obvious to see. They, they beat Sheffield United, who are now stuck on two points. Um, you know, everyone last season praised Sheffield United with the three overlapping centre backs, and now they have. One more overlapping centre back, and they do have points. So, you know, how, how what do you make of their match on just about this game, Sheffield United Everton? Well, I just um, Everton kind of saw out, saw out, did what they need to do essentially, just get get the win. And from their perspective, their their run continues. The top four race is is very very wide this year. You can see eight or nine teams potentially getting in there, getting in and around there. So so Everton carrying on as they as they should, and as people expected them to. On the more other side, you know, you have Sheffield United. I, I don't know what to make of them. They're historically bad. Wilder said, "Well, he's gonna he's gonna pack it in if he has to motivate the players." Well, evidently he does have to motivate them because they're not motivated right now. I I, I don't really know what to say about them beyond the fact that they're abysmal. 
Their tactical. Wait, wait. What do you mean uh, by they're... historically bad? That's a big thing to say. They are though. They've got two. They're, they're... No, but they've got two well, points after how oh. many games have we played now? Yeah, but I, I, I think, think you meant is... by history. You meant like in two thousand and seven, they got relegated, so they must get relegated. No, again. no, no, no. Um, <laughs> as in, as in historical, as in historically, in terms of Premier League bad. I think this is the worst start by a mile in Premier League history. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I don't think it's actually close either. I think that Derby team that got the record lowest points total was doing far better than this team by the they magnitude won. of two to three, two yeah, to three more times six, points. They won their sixth game of the season, Derby, against Newcastle. Um, their yeah. game of the season. So, so, so yeah, but the, but the point is that they... You know they they were um much better than this than this Sheffield United team and they're widely regarded as the worst team in Premier League history. So that's what I mean, and I don't think that's an yeah. overstatement. And it's just I mean, really bizarre to see these players who were performing well last year just completely out of their depth now suddenly. As if and what it does show perhaps is that how important tactics are overall over player quality because you see players last year that you could describe Sheffield United as having a Championship standard squad yet their players are performing it. At, um, at you know Europe Europa League level qualification um, level for most of the season, and that was because of a tactical system that most teams couldn't deal with well, and it made them made them very solid. And now that people have sussed out what what Sheffield United are trying to do, the players are kind of being exposed to who they are, and they're kind of out at sea. And that's just a shame because I liked the way they played last year. I thought it was innovative. It's something you hadn't seen very often. I just you know you know let's just have some scenes here. Hopefully they can mount a run. Get out of the relegation zone to be the greatest escape in Premier League history. Why not? I mean, listen, it's it's going to be a very intriguing subplot over the next, well, just over the rest of the season to see which embarrassing team will drop points against them because the, you know, and whether they'll they'll be able to. Well, beat I mean, do you think? I mean, I'll extend the question to Lawrence. I mean, yeah. I'll send the question to Lawrence. Do you think Wilder's going to be sacked soon, Lawrence? Okay, I mean, this game. Let's be clear. Sheffield weren't bad in this game by any stretch of the imagination. They got undone by a very quality goal by Sigurdsson. With 10 minutes to go. They had their own chances, Sheffield. If I see the phrase blunt blades one more time on a fucking news article about Sheffield United, I'm gonna be so like it's just so boring. It's it's, it's getting added to like the f- football cliche list. I think Sheffield, they've been really good at many points this season. They just have no points to show for it. Uh like in the United game, they you know, they went ahead and, and they looked really good for the first half. I don't it's it's frustrating. Just because I think Sheffield are quite a likable team with a likable manager, and I want them to do well. I'm trying to see the positives. They they have two points so far this season, which is clearly not enough. But I don't see how any manager could do any better in his position. To to answer your question, I don't think Wilder uh, Wilder is doing a worse job than like I don't know, like a Tony Pulis would do in his role. So I don't know. I, I just don't think they have enough Premier League standard players to, to stay up, and that's just yeah. how it is. Their next game is away against Burnley um, on the 29th. Um, oh, sorry, tomorrow, rather. That'll be a very interesting game to see if they can muster up enough um, energy to pick up a point there or more. Um, City beat Newcastle 2-0. Um, this was, you know, just a standard win, to be honest. Ferran Torres has been excellent for City this season. You know, very good signing by them for Valencia. Um, Ash, any brief thoughts on this game? Uh, just uh, City doing what they should have been doing earlier in the season against other teams, seeing games off as they should. Um, yeah. I think they'll be pleased with this game. Do I think it's reflective of City perhaps regaining their feet and performing more effectively in a manner you'd expect them to in, in previous seasons? No, I don't. Um, they've dropped a lot more points this season than I thought they would, but this was pretty routine for them in this specific game. Yeah, um, we're recording sort of at three o'clock on, a, on Sunday that we're halfway through the Premier League games for the day, or not even halfway through. Um, but in the earlier games, Leeds beat Leeds beat Burnley one nil. 
uh, you know, a rare clean sheet for them. Um, they sort of Burnley to Burnley. Can I just say, can I just say yeah. um, that Burnley were robbed in this game. There were, a goal was unfairly disallowed, but they scored. I didn't watch it fully. I barely read it. I read a bit about it. I haven't watched it properly, but all I know is that people are saying it's one of the most egregious refereeing decisions of the entire season. So I suggest people go on YouTube, go on Twitter and have a look at that because it apparently is, it is worth watching. Um, I'll do that myself after finishing this. Yeah, I mean, that just furthers my, furthers my conviction that a lead sort of Burnley, Burnley, out Burnley, Burnley themselves. Um, if they're like <laughs> yes. shit house and like that. Um, right now, West Ham are playing Brighton. It's half time of that game. Brighton are 1-0 one, one up. Um, a goal from Neil Moore pages for half time. Um, but, it, but, you know, that should be an interesting second half. Um, in terms of the games coming up later today, you have Liverpool against West Brom. Sam Allardyce returns to Anfield. I think he has. I think he actually has quite a good record at Anfield with his um, teams. I, I can't recall the exact figure, but he's he hasn't lost too many games there. Um, Ash, what do you think about this game? Do you think that uh, Liverpool should they should sweep past West Brom, right? Um, I think. I mean, should in theory, yeah, but in the sense that this is a classic banana skin. Um, you know, this could very easily just be Liverpool eighty percent possession, twenty five shots, and just and coming out with a one one. Or something like that. So, so I'll see. I mean, I, I think Liverpool are in a good position now. They've had people coming back from injury. Thiago's back in training. He, he's not ready for this game, but he'll be ready next week, um, as, as well as a couple of others like Milner. So, in terms of, I think, I think Liverpool for the first time this season have had all their midfielders fit at the same time. Although Fabinho is now a centre back, including him, they're, they're all now fit. Cater, Oxley, Chamberlain—they're literally all fit. So hopefully, Klopp with something innovative, maybe plays Oxley, Chamberlain. Um, and and you know we, we see some some faces we haven't seen for a long time because I think this is a game where where something different might be needed maybe playing Oxley Chamberlain and Jones at the same time add some legs in there to break open what, what might be quite a solid defensive West Brom team um, and um, yeah I hope Liverpool can see them see past them but then again this this does look like a pretty classic scrappy grim game and West Brom always for some reason challenge Klopp I think he's only won like two two games out of eight that he's played against them something like yeah. that it's pretty mad I remember I remember. Um, I think his first game against West Brom was the infamous game where Liverpool came back to draw 2-2 and they sort of yeah went and then the bowed across the yeah, cop which yeah. got a little bit of flat. yeah yeah they did of course but I mean he's been vindicated now but what I, all I yeah. say is that I think it's just a bit of a people will think oh it's it's um oh it's gonna be quite an easy game well I don't know why but West Brom always quite challenging Klopp so I, I wouldn't so I mean for a neutral perspective this might be actually quite a good one to watch so turn it on uh, yeah, Lawrence, thoughts about um, this game? Right, amazing stat coming up. Um, the last Premier League boss to beat Liverpool at Anfield did it in April 2017. And it was Sam Allardyce managing Crystal Palace to a 2-1 victory. Oh. Christian Beck- Benteke at the double. And, and after the game, Sam Allardyce said, the surprising thing was that we went 1-0 down. So... <laughs> I think Allardyce, with his typical Allardycean nature, might actually pull one out of the bag managing West Brom. Psych, yeah. no, Liverpool are going to win this game. That's why I've, I've captained Salah on FPL, because I just, come on, it's fucking yeah. West Brom. But um, I just thought it was a funny stat. It's been 1,300 days since that happened, since Liverpool lost at, in the Premier League at Anfield. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, so what I was, was going to say is, um, in reply to that, yeah, I did my entire undergraduate degree Without without Liverpool losing at home in the league, um, and um, I I think Trump's basically done near pretty much his entire term. Similarly, so it's been a long time. It's been a long time, but um, 
it, it can always happen, and if it happens today, it happens today. What do you know? Do you know off the top of your head how far Liverpool are from Chelsea's record? I think Chelsea's record is eighty-six games. Uh, about 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 we are. Oh yeah, we I think we've done sixty-six. I think we're like twenty games off. Wow, so, so that's, that's still that, like that's over still quite, Yeah, that's like a season and a half basically. Um, yeah, see, so so I mean we're not we're not close to that. That would be a thing. Think, I mean yeah. that that record is pretty insane. Like. You went over like the whole the second half of the twenty of the two thousands noughties without losing. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Didn't didn't Avram Grant go through I his whole? Dream, I can only dream of that now. Yeah. Didn't Avram Grant go through his whole tenure without losing a home game or something? Yeah, he yeah he he lost, he lost he lost sort of neutral home games like the the, the FA Cup. Didn't league, didn't, league Marine, didn't Mourinho as well? Didn't Mourinho as well? Um, um in the, the first part first part of his tenure, yeah. Then we lost at home to Sunderland, I think. Classic uh, Mourinho. Who, to be fair, might have been managed by Sam Allardyce, and I can't quite remember. But if they were, that would be quite impressive. Um, right. Um, tonight's game looks quite intriguing as well. Wolves against Spurs. Um, you know, Spurs. You know, I mean, it just shows how sort of concatenated the table is. That you know, well, Spurs were top. Um, what to barely two and a half weeks ago, now they're eighth. You know, Chelsea could have gone first, first and second in the last three games uh, are now six. So, you know, Spurs have sort of blown into this a bit, but they're still in the race. I think they can go third with a win today. Um, Lawrence, what do you think of Spurs' chances against Wolves' team, who, you know, as we know, are, are, are a thorn in the sort of crown? What, what's the phrase? Thorn in the side? Nail in the... Co- I don't know. Yeah, yeah thorn in the side. Thorn in the side. Thorn in the side. Thorn in the side. Yeah, can you please get your get your metaphors sorted out? Yeah, 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 my bad. Yeah, but they are they are tough against the big team so what do you think of this their chances here i mean if you remember the amazon documentary i think jose said about wolves is like they're like the fucking worst or something in the typical jose fashion because they're combative um at modern you like a cold wet night 7 15 kickoff this could be a big challenge for spurs men but there was a there was an interview with um hung min son recently on sky which is just like Basically saying everything that Spurs fans have been gassing up about Jose, like saying that Spurs were not nice on the pitch anymore. They're, you know, they grind out the results. And I, I think that this, again, will be a tough match. Wolves have proved themselves very capable, even without, you know, Dendonka, Jimenez and, and an out of form Adam, Adama Traore. Um, they've looked very competent. But I think Spurs, you know, they're really starting to grind out results, despite that recent blip. I know, I know what you're saying. But um, I think they'll do well in this match. I think they'll they'll get a win. Ash, thoughts on Wolves? Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I think I think this would be a good game. Um, I think this is quite a combative game. Nuno's taken a lot of philosophical um, kind of cues from Mourinho, so it'll be quite a good game to see to watch the tactics. And I think Wolves can pull off a result here against the Spurs team that is really lacking in momentum. Yeah, um, no good analysis um, on that game. Um, you know, there's a busy day, busy couple of days of Premier League football coming ahead. You know, I think in the next two, three days, you have big games, United Wolves, Everton, Man City, Southampton, West Ham. Um, but we will be back um, after those games have taken place to review them and talk about how the table has changed because it will change a lot over the next few days. Um, but yeah, for today, thank you very much, Ash. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Um, pleasure. Cheers. Merry Christmas. Merry we Christmas wish you a Merry Christmas. Christmas. And, and a happy new year. Good. I was laying low. Cheers, boys. Solo. But yeah, cheers, cheers, guys. <laughs> See you soon on the podcast with kids. <laughs>